Well, I was raised in church, so every Sunday, every Wednesday, I was here. I was in the church building. I was partaking in church events. Didn't matter what was going on, rain, snow, sleet, I was at church. You know, my father was a pastor for a short while, and uh, my grandfather has been in ministry full-time for over six decades. So the church is part of who I am. I always had a personal relationship with the Lord. I knew He was real. I knew that Jesus died on the cross for me. I could quote the Bible to you. I probably knew more facts as a 10-year-old kid than most people have when they're in their 30s. For all intents and purposes, I was the perfect church kid. But the problem was, when you grow up in church, you begin to take things for granted sometimes. And I took my relationship with the Lord for granted. And it didn't all happen at once, but over a span of you know five years, I went from being in church every Sunday to going off to college and not even attending a Bible study. So by the time I got to college, I had no relationship with the Lord to speak of. All the things that I had learned and everything that I had done my entire childhood was just a complete different world. It was like ancient history. When I was 19 years old, in January of 2009, I was back home in Pennsylvania visiting my dad, and I went to church, which is something I didn't do very often those days. And I was sitting in the back, just waiting for church to be over, counting the minutes until I got to hop in my car and leave. And that's when they started praying for people. My stepmother went down to the front to receive prayer for healing. And I was sitting in the back, and my dad walked up to me. And he said, Michael, I think you should go and pray for your mother. And everything within me said that that was a bad idea. I just shouldn't go. But I felt this tug at my heart. I felt like I needed to go to the front. No matter how hard I tried to resist, I went. I closed my eyes. I laid my hand on my stepmother's shoulder. When I opened them, there was my pastor's wife. Pastor Cindy, she was like another mother to me, and she loved me like one of her own children. And she was so close to me, it was almost uncomfortable how close she was to me. She looked me in the eye and she said, Michael, you're not walking. She said, Michael, you're not at the school you need to be at. You're not in the relationship that you need to be in. And she told me, Michael, Jesus loves you, and he wants you to fulfill the calling that he has put on your life. You have such a great calling ahead of you. You just have to grab it. But then she said something that stopped me in my tracks because I was ready to get out of there. I was ready to run. She was reading my mail and I did not like it. But she said, but Michael, you already know that. And right then and there, I knew that I needed to turn my life around. We walked over to the side of the sanctuary. She prayed with me. She led me to the Lord that day, and from that day forward, January 4th, 2009, my whole life has been changed and I've never turned back. The reason I'm here today in this church with you all is because somebody told me how much Jesus loved me and how much I needed to change my life. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you have someone in your life who told you? They told you about Christ. They, they shared the love of Jesus with you, and it made a huge difference in your life. I have a number of people, uh, and uh, this month and maybe on through into March, you'll be, be hearing other people's story, because that's what it's all about, and that's what we're spending some quality time doing this month, is, is, is allowing the Lord Jesus Christ and His story to become real in our life, so then we can begin to tell our story about how His story made a difference in our life. See, that's what it's all about. That's what we'll be doing. In fact, uh, I've been sharing with you some some tools. You saw this uh, in the beginning of Michael's video. Uh, it's a simple little book. And uh, Stacy, by the way, when I mentioned it a few weeks ago, she got on her Amazon.prime. And before I finish my little discussion about it, my little, you know, she had already ordered it and it was already on the way. And so it's a wonderful book that will inspire you to want to tell your story 
about how Jesus Christ made a difference in your life. Everybody say, tell someone. And then the next thing I want you to do, and I'm going to begin this this week, I'm going to ask all our leaders, I'm going to ask all of you to go through this with me. It's online. If you go to tellsomeone.harvest.org, everyone say that, tellsomeone.harvest.org. You can sign up to take a six-week personal evangelism training course. Everyone say, tellsomeone.harvest.org. I want to encourage you this week with me. Beverly and I are going to do it. Uh, and, and, and for the next six weeks, we're going to let uh, Greg Laurie and his team uh, empower us and equip us to tell our story and to tell his story. See, there's two stories we need to tell, his story and how his story made a difference in our story. And so that's why Michael shared his story with us today and why next week someone else will share their story uh, just to kind of help us uh, learn to, to speak the truth of God and to tell someone about Jesus. With that in mind, uh, uh, that's why this week and for the next few weeks, I'm going to talk to you about show and tell. Everyone say show and tell. How many of you in, in school ever had show and tell? I tried one time, now this is kind of silly, you tell how, but even it was way before. I, I was in college and they, you had to do a show and tell speech. You had to bring something and then give a speech about it. Well, I wanted to talk about my guns. Uh, I come to find out they wouldn't let me bring my guns into the classroom, so it was just a tell. <laughs> but uh, everybody say show and tell. I'll explain that further in just a few moments, but I want you to turn in your Bible. Let's see, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to give you three. Can you handle three? 1 Corinthians 15. And then I want you to go to, uh, let's go to Romans 10 and then 2 Timothy 4. Or really 2 Timothy. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. Then we'll go to Romans 10 and then 2 Timothy. With that in mind, let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. I believe this morning can be transforming. I believe it will be. I believe God's Word is going to make a difference in our lives and empower us to show and tell. Father, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it will bring forth much fruit in our lives as we allow Your Word to, to, to shine bright within us. Lord, it will begin to shine bright through us. Let today be transforming in our lives. Let today and let this message make a difference in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to show you in just a few moments Romans 1.16. So you get there, and then I'm going to show you Romans 1.16. But even before I do that, I want to say this Wednesday night, we, we, we introduced last uh, Wednesday night our, our life group format for the next eight, really the next seven weeks. Uh, we'll have a meal together at 6.30. Everyone say 6.30. Uh, and so uh, each group uh, is over a meal. Um, and so if you've not been, if you didn't come last Wednesday, I would really encourage you to come this Wednesday night at 6.30, we have a meal, and then we break up into three, is it three or four groups? It's three groups. Uh, and and uh, last week, uh, uh, the just the power of prayer and sharing uh, and ministry was so profound and it made a huge difference. Everyone I talked to said it was wonderful. So I want you to be here Wednesday night. Uh, if everything goes right, you'll actually be discussing some of the things you hear today. And so I want you to listen carefully. Look at your neighbor and say, listen carefully. Our keynote verse for this series is Romans 1.16. And I want you to read it out loud with me and if possible, memorize this verse. Uh, Paul the Apostle told the Romans this. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation or to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. How many of you know if you're not a Jew, you're a Greek? I don't know if you realize that or not. It's really everybody else is what he was saying. Uh, that God gave the, the gospel to the Jews first 
And they basically, in many ways, rejected it. So the gospel and that, you know, how, how, how things pan out, you just, you know, they rejected it. So therefore, uh, God spoke to Paul and others to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Interesting story, or the Greeks, how, how he did that. Uh, you know, and Peter and all of them, they all worked together. And the gospel went throughout throughout the whole world. So let's read this out loud together. It's hugely important. Here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Sadly today, many of God's people are in some sense, some way, ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments, and I'm going to define for you once again the gospel. Because if the gospel is the power of God to salvation, then we need to know the gospel. We need to have it in our heart and know what what it means. And, 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 and if you've been born again, you've been born again not because of your mom and daddy or because of your good works. You were born again because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone say the gospel. The gospel is what we call the, it's two words, the, it's the good news. Everyone say it's good news. I came to share with you good news. Now, uh, how many of you saw the movie God's Not Dead? And then I think there's God's Not Dead too. But what you really want to do is read the book. The book God's Not Dead is 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 not only inspirational, it's very instructional. In fact, we went through uh, some teachings by Rice Brooks on Wednesday night, probably a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago. Rice Brooks wrote the book God's Not Dead, from which the the movie was inspired. I actually got to meet Rice at a re- weekend retreat with Global Advance a couple, three years ago. He has a he has a definition of of uh, the gospel that I want us to look at. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, and you can say it, and you just listen carefully, but this is not the, you know, this is not what you see in the dictionary when you look up the gospel, but it's a great description of the gospel. This is what you and I need to know, uh, so we, we don't need to be ashamed. You may know the, you, you may be ashamed because you really don't know the gospel. And so we're going to help you today understand this gospel, which Paul said it's the power of God. Somebody say power of God. Now that word is dunamis. It's supernatural, uh, power. It's where, it's where, uh, 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 Nobel, I forget his first name, Nobel Peace Prize. He invented dynamite. And when he wanted a name for this new invention that was explosive, one of his Bible scholar friends said, you need to use the word dunamis. Uh, he said, what's that? He said, that's where, it's, it's supernatural power. He said, okay. And that's where he got the word dynamite. Everybody say dynamite. So this gospel, here it is. Rice Brooks said, the gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Everyone stop and say, he took my place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of all sins, of, pardon me, of, yeah, of sins for all who repent and believe. I'm going to read it again. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God, and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins for all who repent and believe. And everybody said, Amen. And say, thank you, Rice Brooks. That's a great definition. But Paul, the, pardon me, Paul, the apostle in first Corinthians 15 gave about the same thing. And I want you to see this. Here's the biblical backup for brother Rice this morning. Uh, in chapter 15, verse one. And this, let me just say this first verse is, is loaded. I'm telling you, it is loaded. You just got to listen. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the what? He said, I declare to you the gospel, the good news, 
which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. I'm telling you, that thing is loaded right there. That one verse is loaded up. Paul said, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm declaring to you the gospel, which I declared to you before. I preached it to you before. I taught it to you before. I shared it with you before. I'm coming back with it again. And he said, he said this, which also you received. Everyone say receive. Now today is an important day. Today is an important day because you're here, but it's also the Super Bowl. And I'm a little sad today because I, I certainly was hoping that, that Dak and Zeke would be there today, but they're not. And don't, I'm just, I'm just sharing my burden with you today. Uh, I just thought it might happen. It didn't happen. But I want to tell you something about all those guys out there. They've all had to learn something, especially the receivers. They pay them millions of dollars to catch the ball. One of my favorite receivers, though I don't particularly uh, like his personality, I like his skill, is, is uh, what's his name on the, uh, come on, Dez. You got Dez, Zeke, and, Eek and Ike and all those guys. And if you remember, it was it a couple of three years ago, the catch that was not a catch that was a catch that would have changed the whole world as we know it. I believe it was a catch. For you that know anything about sports, I mean, believe it really was a catch. I think it was a catch. All in favor, say aye. But I want, to, I want you to see this. What Paul said about this, what he declared, he said, you received it. You caught it. And you stand in it. And then he goes on to say, by which also you are what? Saved. Somebody say saved. This gospel has the power to save you. What Paul tell the Corinthians and, uh, pardon me, the Romans, Romans 1.16, it's the power of God. It saved us. He said, if you hold that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now here he goes. Here's the gospel. For I delivered you first of all, that which I also received. In other words, I, I can't tell you what I haven't received. I received it. Man, if we had time, we might look at it today in Acts 9 where he received the gospel. Now, Paul received it in a very special way. He had heard it. He had heard the, the, you know, but he was out trying to stifle and stop the gospel. Jesus knocked him down, if you will, uh, uh, in the way in Romans chapter 9. And uh, he had a flash of light and a vision. And, uh, and uh, he said, who are you? And Jesus said, I am the Lord whom you're persecuting. He had a revelation of Jesus, uh, and he was born again, uh, and, uh, and, and he understood personally the power of, of Jesus in his life, death and resurrection in his life. Uh, and so he said, by which you are saved. He said, for I deliver to you, first of all, that which I received, verse 3, that here it is, here it is, catch this, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture, someone say according to the scripture. Man, if we had time, we'd go back and I could show you New Testament, pardon me, Old Testament prophecies that very clearly describe the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Here's one. He was wounded for our transgressions. This is Isaiah. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Somebody say amen. So Jesus knew that what he was uh, was about to do on the cross was a fulfillment of Scripture, his death, burial, and resurrection. And now Paul had gotten that understanding. He had married the two. He had married his experience with the Old Testament understanding and realized that Jesus Christ was Lord. And then he says he he was he died for our sins according to the Scriptures, verse four, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according again to the Scriptures. Somebody say, that's good news. And this was the plan of God all along. God's plan was to create a way for humanity to come back in right relationship with God. Because the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray and all of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him, God laid on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That's what the cross was all about. He bore our sins on the cross. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And 
Three days later, as Rice said, he rose from the dead. As the Bible says, he rose from the dead according to the Scriptures uh, and proved himself the Son of God. I dare you, I challenge you to go to the grave of Mohammed. Guess where he's at? He's still there. You go to, you go, you go to the graves of all these great religious leaders who, who look to themselves and others to look to them as like gods. You know where they're at? They're still in the grave. But I got to tell you today, I've been there. I know it's true. I've been to, uh, to that place called Golgotha. I've been to that tomb and whether it's the actual tomb of Jesus or not, it's not exactly known. I tend to believe it is. Uh, but I looked in there and guess what? He's not there. Just like he told his disciples, he said, uh, or the angels told the disciples when they got there, he's not here. Everybody say, he's not here. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. And so that's the gospel. And it's the power of God. And we need to embrace that gospel just like the Corinthian church did. He said, you received it. And in that, and in that gospel, you take your stand. This is who I am. And this is, uh, in him I live, the Bible says, and move and have my being. And so with that in mind, we've got to embrace this gospel. And then I want to kind of talk to you about our title today, Show and Tell, because there's kind of two sides to this story that I want to unlock for you. Somebody say, Show and Tell. These are the two thoughts that I want you to get today and really uh, for the rest of your life. And the first thought is this, we are to show the world Jesus by way of the life we live. We need to show the world the, the, the transforming power of Jesus Christ by how we live our life. If we say we're born again, but we live like we always lived, I doubt the reality of our salvation. Because when you are born again, the Bible says you are transformed. Things begin to change. Somebody say amen. And could I say to you today that in our lives, God wants to transform us, to make us more into the image of Christ. And so we have a responsibility as believers, people who have named the name of Christ, to show the world. That's what Matthew 5 is all about. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this in these verses, I think it's verse 16. He said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Did you hear that? He said, let your light so shine before men, before people, before the world, that they see something. I want to ask you, what do people see when they look at you? That's an important thought to think. He said, the world needs to see our good works, the way we live. And the way we live, if we're living the way he would have us to live, under the power and the grace and the anointing of God, it's like a light that'll shine into the world and expose the darkness, Ephesians said. So we have a huge responsibility to show the world. I think of the first century church and the disciples uh, in Acts chapter 4. I'll turn there. You don't, you don't necessarily need to turn there. You can if you'd like. But you know the story. They were, they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit and, and Peter gets up on Pentecost under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 3 or, or 2. And he begins to preach the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. Now, what did Paul say to the Romans? He said, this gospel's powerful. Somebody say powerful. Somebody say dynamite. So Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel. And here's what happens. You need to see this. They, they, they heard and they received. Now, when that began to happen, the religious order of the day didn't want that to happen. They didn't want, they began to see something that they didn't want everybody else to see. And they began to, to set up a, a, a way and means to stifle this gospel power that they saw being poured out on these people. And, and so they began to do what they could to uh, persecute them and threaten them and say, you can't speak. But look in chapter four, verse 13. It says this about the religious leaders of the day, Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and others. It says, now when they saw, everybody say saw, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. 
I'm just wondering about you and me. When's the last time someone looked at us and marveled and saw that though we were just common folk, we're just Beaumontians, we're just Lumbertonians, we're just Vidorians, we're just Sour Lakeians, we're just whoever we are, you know, we're just common folk, but yet there's something different about us. There's a boldness on the inside of us. There's a, there's a light shining out of us. And, and somehow, some way, by what I see, I see that they've been with Jesus, for goodness sake. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so we have a huge responsibility to show the world Jesus by the way of life we live. But number two, we are to tell the world or show the world about Jesus by way of the words we speak. Some people think that I can just live good and be good and that's good and that is good. But understand something. Everybody say show and tell. It's not just show, it's tell. You got to tell somebody. I'm telling you, you need to tell someone. That's what Michael did this morning by way of video. He told us his story that he, he he was a church boy all his life. Sometimes that's the hardest ones to get through to. They think they know it all already. But it takes somebody getting jalapeno business uh, like his pastor's wife did and just just spoke the truth to him. I, I thank God for people that 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 told me. I was living a, 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 a kind of a hypocritical life in high school. I'd go to the church things and I'd go to the world things. I thought I had that. But what's the Bible say? You can't be on the fence. You got to be hot or cold. If you're not hot or cold, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. And so it's time for somebody to tell somebody their story about how Jesus and his story made a difference in their story. Here's a sad statistic. Everybody give me your worst sad thing. Here's a sad statistic. 90% of all believers have never led one person to Jesus Christ. Everybody say that's sad. 90% of all believers have never led one person to Christ. Everybody say that's really sad. What would happen in the world today if we turned that into 50%? Or if we turned it completely around where we would say, Rather than it be a sad, did you know that 90% of all believers have led somebody to Jesus Christ? Everybody say show and tell. So you can't, you can't just show the world. You got to tell the world. In fact, I'm going, did you go to Romans 10? If you went to Romans 10, say, I, I did. I don't know about him, but I did. Say, look, I did. I don't know about him. Romans 10. I wish I could read it all, but I want to just show you this because you need to see the power of the, of the spoken word. And the context in chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they be what? Saved. It's about people being born again, being saved. That's what this is all about and what it takes to be saved. And I'm going to kind of pick and choose a few verses here, but I want you to see with me. Uh, verse. Oh, let's jump into verse 8. But It's kind of mid-context, but you'll you'll catch on. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. In other words, Paul's saying, man, what's in you? It's in your heart and it needs to be in your mouth. That's the word of faith we preach. Now catch this, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Let me just stop right there. Everyone say, Lord Jesus. You know why Jesus is Lord? Not because we say so, but because of what he did. What did he do? He died for us and he buried, was buried in borrowed tomb and three days later he rose from the de- dead proving he's the son of God. That, that's what made him Lord. His power and authority over death, hell and the grave. So he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's the gospel. You see that? Everybody say, I see it, pastor. You believe that God raised him from the dead, you'd be what? So all the people who are saved know they're on their way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas this morning say, Amen and hallelujah. How'd that happen? You believed what you heard. And you confessed it and declared it. He goes on to say, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, let me jump down, oh, verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Now catch this. Catch verse 14. This is the import that I want you to see. 
because we need to tell somebody. It says this, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not? Somebody say heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher for goodness sakes? Now I want you to stop right there. If we think our friends and our family and this lost world we live in are going to come to Christ because we smile and nod and thump our Bible and go to church every once in a while, we are sadly mistaken. Because they not only have to see it, they have to hear it. Because it's the power. What did Paul say again? Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God. But they don't get it just because you carry it in your heart. And what did he say? It's in our hearts and in our mouth. And so it's the two-edged sword in a way. I'm going to show you about how I live my life, but I'm going to share and tell you about what changed and transformed my life. He said, and it's almost like Paul is just being, how on earth do you think that this world's going to be born again without people who will share? And we see the word preacher. It says, how they hear without a preacher. You know, we, we tend to think of the preacher like me. I've got some people in old school, you know, in Baptist church, well, that's our preacher right there. That's our preacher. And I get it. That's kind of a title. I'm really the pastor. But how many of you know all of us are supposed to be preachers? And I'm not talking about getting up preaching like I preach. In fact, I'm just kind of talking to you today. Amen. You say, what are you doing on that stool, pastor? Are you getting old and cranky? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just relaxing here. Maybe maybe I'll get up and froth around some. I'm just kind of trying it on for size. I kind of like it a little bit. But a preacher is not somebody who gets up and, you know, and froths and foams and shouts and, 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 you know, the preacher are people who, it's really the proclaimer. And Paul says, listen, how are they going to call? Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord be saved. But how are they going to call in on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Then he says, how beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good news. I want to tell you every day we ought to come home and as we lay our little heads down, God, we would want heaven to say, man, you got pretty feet today. Because you shared the gospel. You took the gospel. You shared your story of his story to a world that so desperately needs Christ. How are they going to believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher, without somebody sharing him? So we got to tell someone for goodness sake. Amen. Somebody say tell someone. I'm kind of excited right now. You know why I'm excited? Because I prepared all these notes. And I, I knew we had a lot to do today. I said, Beverly, I may not get but halfway through. And I think that's what I'm going to do today. But you know why I'm excited? Because I already have next Sunday's notes right there. Woo! I'm feeling good. How many of you like to get ahead of the game here? I'm getting ahead of the game. Or I could just tell it all right now. You want me to tell it all? No, I'll wait. So we have to show. Somebody say show and tell. Until we're telling... We don't have another show. It's show and tell. And let me just stop and say to you this week, God wants you not only to show it, but tell it. And you know the reason why some people are ashamed of the gospel? Paul said, I'm not ashamed. It's because they're not showing it. Some of us may, the first thing we need to do at work is is go into work and apologize to everybody for living like the devil. I'm just sorry I've been living like the world and I'm not going to do that anymore. I've been a disgrace to the kingdom of God and a bad example. But today, I'm going to, I'm going to turn things around. I'm going to begin to live my life for Christ. And I apologize for not being a good example to you. Uh, I'm supposed to be the light of the world, not, not the, uh, the ways of the world. And then begin to live it in front of them. And then maybe the, you get an opportunity to tell them. But you know what? If you're showing them something else, they don't want to hear what you have to say. Everybody say show and tell. You see, understand something. People aren't born again simply by what they see. They're born again by what what they see and hear. Everyone say see and hear. Go back to Acts. You can turn there because we're not going to get to 2 Timothy. 
Go, go to Acts chapter 2. Let me show you this. Go to Acts 2, when the church was born. I want you to see this. I'm taking my time. Acts chapter 2, when Peter gets up, I quoted some of it just a few moments ago uh, and, and referenced it. Chapter 2, verse 40, it says this. Oh, let me, let me, yeah. It, it says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. They had heard it. In fact, it says this, look in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, somebody say they heard this. They heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They heard the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they they said, wow, it cut them in the heart. Let me tell you something. Some of you get nervous about sharing that gospel I shared with you. Well, hey, it's not you that's powerful. It's the gospel that's powerful. Peter was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for sure. But the word, he, he had, he had the, he had the double barrel here. He had the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God convicting people, and he had the power of the gospel that, that pierces people's hearts. And they heard it, and it cut them to the heart. And he shared with them. They said, what do we need to do? He said, you need to be born again, be baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, verse 40, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Now, if you just go back to this whole Pentecostal experience, the reason he had a crowd in the first place is because of what people had begun to hear and see. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. You know what the first thing they did when the Holy Ghost came upon them? They went outside. Most of us, we get the Holy Spirit, we want to go climb in the closet somewhere. Oh, we don't want people to, oh, some of you are ashamed to come to, you go, I don't know if I want somebody coming to my church. Oh my goodness, somebody may raise their hand. Oh my goodness, somebody might speak in tongues. Oh my goodness, God might show up. And what are my friends going to think? Oh my goodness, I'm so ashamed. No, these people, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, they took it out the door, my friend. Because it was real and it was powerful. That was worth standing up and having a podium for, but I didn't do it. They took it out the door and people began to see and hear and the crowds began to gather and the gospel began. Listen, people will gather up to see who's on fire. You see people, things on fire, people gather up. And they had little fires on their heads, the Bible says. I'm telling you, you get on fire and go out the door and begin to live it and share it and people will be cut in the heart because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Are you with me? Say amen. I think of Paul the Apostle. You know, his story is a little different. Now, he had heard the gospel, no doubt, because he was persecuting Christians who were proclaiming the gospel. He actually thought he was serving God. He just didn't hate Christians. He thought he was obeying God and stifling this false narrative that he thought was a false narrative going. And he 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 felt like he was uh, uh, obeying God, so he had a good heart. He just had a wrong Wrong methodology. Uh, and you know the story in Acts 9, how, how he was smitten. He was on his way, uh, down the road. And, uh, it, it says, as he journeyed, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am G-. He knew who he was. He called him Lord. Whoever he was, he was important. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And his heart, it is hard for you to kick against the goad. So he trembled and, and, and a, so trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, arise and go to the city. You will be told what you must do. And you know, the story went, God spoke to Ananias to receive him. And, and it says in verse 19, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul, who would later become Paul, spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And look in verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. 
And all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not the one who destroyed those who called on the name, on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? You know what they were seeing? They were seeing a changed life and they were hearing something. They were, they were hearing and they were seeing. And in a sense, Paul heard and he saw a great light, even though his salvation experience was certainly uh, different than most of ours. Uh, the principle is true. Everyone say you got to show and tell. It's so hugely important for us to catch this two-prong. It's not just receive. Man, God didn't want you just to receive so you could go to heaven. He wants you to receive so you can show and tell. Are you with me? Uh, Deontis, who's holding him now? I saw him being passed around. You know what they were doing today, even though we dedicate, they were showing and telling. Look at here. Now, wouldn't it be terrible parenting if they said, they, they got on Facebook or something, we had a baby and no picture? Well, you had a baby. Come on, you got to prove it. No, we don't, we don't show them to anybody. No, it's a natural reaction. I want to show and tell. I want to tell you about it. I want to show you. Uh, I'll, that's, that's so natural for us. Now, let me give it to you in one more passage of Scripture. Turn, if you will, uh, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter oh, 3. I was just going to quote this, but I want, I'm going to take a little time with it because next week I got some great stuff in 2 Timothy about the power of the gospel. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at this. I'm in Timothy. That don't work. I got to go to Peter. First Peter chapter 3, Paul the apostle, pardon me, Peter says this. But sanct, verse 15, but sanctify, now here's, stop. Uh, watch for the two, two, the double barrel. Watch for the show and tell. Okay? But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always be ready to give a defense. I think King James says reason. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that, that is within you, yet with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good con- conduct in Christ may be actually ashamed. For it is better if, uh, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now notice the two prong. Notice the show and tell. In fact, it begins, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What's he talking about? Living right. Because if you got the Lord sanctified and set apart in your life, you're living the right kind of life. And then down below, he talks about, you know, having a good conscience. How are you going to have a good conscience unless you're living right? Unless you're not hypocritical about what you say and what you do. How many of you know what you do and what you say need to blend together and line up together? And that's what he's saying here. But he says, sanctify the Lord your God, Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. That's share. Be ready to share the gospel, the good news, the reason for the hope that is within you. Everybody say hope that is within you. What, what he's saying is when you get sanctified and set apart, start living right, people will begin to see the hope that is within you. Something, you'll, something about you'll be different and they'll see a hope and a happiness and a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And they go, what's going on? What you've been smoking? And they'll, and you'll say, I haven't been smoking a thing, but I have been drinking some living water and I want to tell you about it. I've been, I've been experiencing the, some, I've been eating some bread of life and it's given me life. And I want to tell you today why I got the hope of God in my heart. And you can begin to share. You know, if you just start living right, you're not just to, just to live right. But if you really, if we really start living right, people start asking us questions. And Peter said, if you just get your life right and be ready to share. Somebody say, be ready. Be ready to share the reason for the hope that is within you. But yet with meekness and fear, somebody say meekness and fear. That's reverence, not actual being, but with with gentleness and meekness and reverence. Let me share with you my story. Are you with me? You ever seen those, I I guess I'll call them preachers on the, on the, on the corner 
I'm not an anti-street preacher, but don't be mean and hateful. Don't be ugly. I've seen some ugly guys that they needed, they needed Pastor Sam to come up and straighten them out. How I many of you know a lot of crooked sticks you can't straighten out? But, but we don't need to be mean and ugly. We don't need to be self-righteous. We just have meekness and fear. And, and, and it doesn't matter. You know, they ask you or whatever the reason. I just got to tell you my story. Are you with me? Show and tell. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. It's the power of God for salvation. For the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hey, hey, go to that last slide. Go to the last slide. There you go. I skipped, I skipped next week's message. You want you want you want a little quick preview? Just read 2 Timothy. You go to chapter 4. He, it's kind of the conclusion. Preach the word. Be instant and in season and out of season. And you go through that, you go through 2 Timothy, pardon me. Yeah, 2 Timothy. And you catch the gospel. That's all about the gospel. Paul's handing off the baton. To Timothy, he's about to go to heaven. And the main thing he wants him to get is the power of the gospel. In fact, he said, you've been trusted. The gospel's been entrusted to us. That's next Sunday. So with that in mind even, don't you think it's time we begin telling the story of how his story changed and transformed our lives? How many of you don't want to be a part of that 90%? I think today of all the people that you and I come in contact with who've never heard the story. I remember years ago, I was in an airport by myself. I think I was on my way to Belize. I was sitting down with a young man from England and I started asking him, one way to tell your story is ask them about their story. Because once they get through their story, they got to hear your story. And he told me what he was doing. He was going to be doing some, some studies on the beach. And it sounded fun, you know, and Belize, the Belizean beach is beautiful. And, and he said, well, what, what are you doing? I said, oh, I thought you'd never ask. And I began to share with him that I was a pastor and going to a mission field and going to be sharing with pastors and church leaders. He was very interested. And I thought, he said, well, what do you tell them? I said, well, I tell them about Jesus. And I, and I pulled out my Bible and I began to talk. And I told him the gospel. And he looked at me. He said, they finally said these words, I've never heard that before. I said, you've never read the Bible? He said, I've never read the Bible. I said, it's the story of Jesus. I couldn't believe it. It was an unreached people group. <laughs> and I'm on my way to preach. Now, this is, this is scary for a preacher. I'm on my way to preach. How many of the preachers need their Bible? And I said, you're going to be on the beach kind of by yourself for like three months? And he said, yeah. I said, you got all kinds of time in the world to read the Bible. He said, I do. I gave him my Bible and I never heard of him from him again. I don't know what the end of that story was. And we both got on our planes and went in different directions. But listen, you think I would have been able to give him my Bible if I'd have lambasted him and ugly to him? Just told him my story. And hopefully... When I get to heaven, he can tell me his. Everybody has a story. Some of you are still processing your story. How many of you? And listen, your story doesn't need to be about all the gory details. How many of you got a few gory details? Anybody got some things you just wish you didn't even had to ever think? You have to tell all the gory details. One 
convert in scripture said, I don't know all about your religiosity. But one time I was blind and now I see. This is my story. And I'm sticking to it. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Lord, today we just embrace the gospel. Lord, let us be as those Corinthians where we receive it and stand in it. And today, once again, even though we've talked about it already, if there's anyone here who's never put their trust in you and allowed you to be the Lord and the leader of their life, Lord, may the power of the gospel, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're about to go. The gospel is this, that Jesus died for your sins. He paid for your sin on a cross with his own blood. He died a sinless life, shed his blood to cover us. Three days later, he rose again, proving his lordship and authority so we too could have a new life in Christ. And all we have to do is confess him as the Lord and the leader of our life and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead for us. I want us all to pray this prayer together. If you're here this morning and that's you, from the sincerity of your heart out loud, because the word of God is in our hearts and in our mouths, and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Everyone pray this prayer after me. And if this is your first time, I invite you just to pray along with us. Everyone say, Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for dying for me on the cross and for paying for my sin with your own blood. I appreciate that, Lord. And I receive that into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I confess you as the Lord and the leader of my life. I thank you for rising from the dead for me so I could have a new life too. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.